podcast, Children's Relit. My name is Shirley. I'm Julie. And we've been best friends since the fourth grade. So in this podcast, we read books that we loved as children and discuss their impact on us then and now and see if our opinions have changed since we first read the book. So super short bios because we don't keep doing this. Um, I'm a librarian. Um, I'm Shirley's best friend. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) We're highly qualified. I know someone with an MLIS. Whatever, that's a science degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cracks me up. Okay, we're both scientists. We have yeah. a library scientist and a computer scientist, neither of which are science. Okay, let's, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I also have one in social sciences. Okay. <laughs> All the fake science over here. The fake sciences. So, um, <laughs> this week, uh, or not this week, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to be discussing uh, one of our favorite books when we were kids, or it was one of mine anyways, um, My Side of the Mountain, written by Jean Craighead George, um, originally published in 1959, and I have kind of, um, I have a biography and a synopsis, hopefully a little short in the last one, so let's start with this. So most of this I got off of her, um, her website, which is Jean Craighead george.com slash biography.html so yeah she's on the website it's pretty cool um author journalist and naturalist jean craighead george was born in 1919 in washington dc and grew up camping in the woods near dc in college she studied both english and science and was a reporter for the washington post and was a member of the white house press corps over her lifetime she published over 100 books generally about nature and the environment um, they were they were fiction children's books, but with themes about nature and environment. She's best known for Julie of the Wolves, published in 1972, and My Side of the Mountain, published in 1959. Julie of the Wolves was awarded the Newbery Medal, and My Side of the Mountain was a Newbery Honor Book. George passed away in 2012. She also has, I think, an obituary in the New York Times. So again, yeah, thanks. Uh, synopsis: 14-year-old Sam Greebly is running away to the mountains because his apartment in New York City is much too crowded. He's grown up up on stories about his great-grandfather's farm in upstate New York and wants to live off the land. The book, which is written as a diary Sam keeps and details how he found the farm, learns through trial and error how to survive off the land, makes animal friends, makes human friends, and most importantly to me anyways, acquires his peregrine falcon frightful. <laughs> he spends a New England winter living in a tree, and eventually his father finds him. By the end of the book, brings his whole family to try to live off the, on the family land again. A quick character overview. Sam Greebly is our main hero. He is a young teen boy. He eats more veggies than any teen I know. <laughs> Frightful, his peregrine falcon that he bird naps and raises to catch food for him. Uh, there's a variety of townies that help Sam learn uh, survival skills, um, including building a fire, just sort of things like that. There's a guy named Bill, the librarian in town, etc. Uh, Baron Weasel, a not helpful weasel, but entertainment for Sam. Bando, a lost college professor. James Coon James, Jesse Coon James, a raccoon. Matt, intrepid teen reporter. Aaron. <laughs> Jewish songwriter. 
That's literally like campaign description. No, no, it's accurate. It is. It is. So yeah. We can discuss yeah. all of these things. Was it secretly Bob Dylan the whole time? <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe. It's <laughs> so okay, um, let's kind of jump in on our first uh, topic here, which is uh, what's your first um, what, what's your memory of this book? Okay, um, I am going to just rock you to your core when I admit to you that when I picked up this book to reread it, I realized I had never read this book before. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. I was so sure that I had because it was one of those books that was just always around. And I'd read a ton of similar books about, like, children surviving in nature. I just was sure that I'd read it, but I I super hadn't. I have no memory of this. I definitely read Julie of the Wolves, obviously, but um, made me a liar. Maybe we read this. <laughs> I know. I well, I I told a lie because I I believed that I had, but I had not. So um, this is going to be kind of an unusual episode because we'll be talking about Shirley's memories, and I'll have to like uh, backcast like how I would have reacted to this book as a kid. I would have loved it. Why didn't I read it? <laughs> I don't know. You you would have seen this book on my bookshelf. So me and Julie had this really dumb game because we were super boring children. And so like Julie would come over to my house and she would I would force her to stare at my bookcase and point out which books were new. So she knew which books yeah. I owned. It's true. It's true. Um. So you would have seen this book because this is the same thing oh. I had since then. It also was just constantly, you know how they were always doing sort of like Newberry winner like displays at like children's libraries or like there'd be a thing at the school library. So like it it was definitely uh, very much available to me. I just somehow never read it. Oh, oh, I cheated myself. I know. I was also like a little bit freaking out because. I was I was very sure that I'd read it and like the cover seems super familiar to me. I, yeah, super weird. But let's throw it back to Shirley and ask about her actual memories actually reading this as a child <laughs> and uh, Julie's fake made up memories. <laughs> Planted memories. Oh no. Um, so for me anyways, like this was probably one of those books that I read when I was on like my I'm going to read all the Newberry books, you know, thing. So I probably read it back in elementary school, late elementary. I don't have an exact year. My my copy is from apparently 1988, so you know, it's an okay. older it's an older book. Yeah. Um good paper quality, not yellow. I'm actually oh, really impressed. Oh, that's impressive. I know. And I really remember I I really liked it. You know, my brothers were Boy Scouts and I used to read their Boy Scout handbook just because it was so cool. It teaches you all sorts of things. It teaches you how to make a fire, how to like whittle, how to tie knots. And you know, we were Girl Scouts, but I don't think a Girl Scout handbook was half as interesting as the Boy Scout handbook. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It was about being like a good citizen and being a leader. And I'm like, those are fantastic things, but I'm like, I want to build a fire. <laughs> yeah, <know>? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So this book, when I read it, it was like the that part of me that's super interested 
in the outdoors and nature and all those things and it really appeals to that side of me but things I don't actually ever want to do because I like toilets and (laughs) but I like reading about it you know (laughs) yeah so does your copy have um the introduction by the author there's an author preface yes yes yeah yeah where she kind of talks about um how she like ran away uh, from home as a kid for like 45 yeah. minutes and then her daughter also ran away from home for like 45 minutes. And so she's kind yeah. of talking about how all kids want to run away from home and most of them don't do it. And this is not a kid that actually does it. So we can just enjoy like reading a book about it and actually have to run away from home and like exactly. live in a tree. <laughs> I know. You know. So, I mean, I had for like a hot minute where I was going to like run away, like maybe I was in fifth or sixth grade. I think I was really angry about something. Anyways, and I'm like, I don't want to actually like rough it and like, you know, (laughs) live out in the wilderness. And so my, this is my brilliant plan for running away. I was literally just going to hide under my bed. Mm. Just hide under my bed. And then my parents went to work because, you know, apparently they would just leave work. (laughs) And then they're at work, like go and, you know, get the food, take a shower, like go to the bathroom. And then once they were home after work, then I would just keep hiding under the bed. So basically you wanted to become a borrower. Oh, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great plan, actually. (laughs) You know, I'm a small kid, so I could get under the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also uh, probably multiple times like either thought about or kind of like made an effort towards running away. I think um, like just planning out the things that I would like pack in my little backpack and like, you know, where my little hideout would be is like that stuff's really fun to think about. I think I very much uh, like Sam Reebley was not like I'm going to run away from home because like home is terrible or I'm like, you know, have some grievance. It was just like, what if I didn't live here? It's a thought experiment. Well, I mean, I think kids like kids like to think about being independent. You know, it's like yeah. they're great, but like, what if you live by yourself and like, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do live on your own, and then you're like, oh, I have to clean everything on my own. Like, I have to. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Uh, I've lately been coming home and just being like. I have to make dinner every day? Every day? That's too much. <laughs> I should get some days off from dinner. <laughs> I know. No, that's why I don't like weekends. Because then I'm like, I gotta make three meals today. I don't have to deal with just like dinner. I deal with three meals now. True. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of like the generation that was able to say out loud that adulting is hard. Like the previous generation had to pretend that it wasn't hard. It's hard. Oh, it's so hard. I hate it. So, yeah. But yeah, so I also like read the Girl Scout handbook cover to cover. I had a bunch of those like, I can't remember the titles now. I had books that were like, I don't know, fun things for kids to make and do. Um, that mm. seemed to have been written in like the 40s because they were all about like bobbing for apples and like kind of this weird mix of... Um, Things that were either very low tech or like just assumed that we had access to things that like children were not allowed to have now, like knives and like. I don't don't think there are any rifles per se, but yeah, maybe there probably was like 
this is how you make a bow and arrow or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, so Sam, uh, so this is interesting because again, in the author's uh, preface, she says that um, she did a lot of, she learned a lot of like outdoor survival skills um, from her family and was actually spent a lot of time in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam basically learns everything out of books uh, aside yeah. from like a couple helpful strangers. Um, yeah. But, and it um, like, he doesn't die. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because yeah. he has like his, his diary. It's very much like trial and error. Like he says, like the first night he tries to make fire and like could not get it started. And he's, you know, it's his first night out in the wilderness and he's cold and he's wet and it's dark. And there's these crazy wilderness noises. Like when you're on the wild, it's actually supposedly quite loud. Mm-hmm. Like, we're very much city kids, so we don't really have a lot of experience with that. It's true. But, you know, it's supposed to be, like, there's birds and rustling and frogs or whatever. <laughs> you know, crickets. Crickets. Yetis. And I don't know. Animals. Yetis. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Catskills, I guess. No, no, no. No. They have, they have any um, mystery animals? Up there? Yeah, like, what is the cryptid of the Catskills? I don't even know. So there's actually just a quick side note. Um, so he, you know, goes off into the, you know, the wilderness, but he's about like an hour's walk away from a town, which like we grew up in Southern California. Um, we went to Girl Scout counts in the Sierras. Um, my family, like we all our vacations were like we drove to a national park. So we're used to sort of like, you know, the Western national parks, mm-hmm. which are quite large. You could get much deeper into the wilderness than like an hour's walk away. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that he's like in the wilderness, quote unquote, but he's actually not that far from civilization. No, he's really not. And he runs into a lot of people considering. Yeah, it gets like, oh, he talks about this at the end of the book, but it gets kind of crowded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I think he, when he goes out, it's probably fall summer yeah. late summer fall like it's yeah. not spring when he leaves and so i think he's only out there for less than a year like he does a winter and i think he the end of the book is like spring beginning of summer yeah i think that's right so he doesn't experience what like tourist season is <laughs> right for all the hikers yeah that's true um there is a, a hunting season which is a problem for him yeah yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting book, but also you got to think about the time period it's written. It's set in, I think, the 40s or 50s? 50s? Yeah. So, right, the book was published in 1959. I was wondering um, what time period we think this is. It's not It's not clear to me. Um, it sounds pretty dire that he was living in a small apartment with, like, ten other people. Like, his parents have nine children. Like yeah. what kind of uh, like grapes of wrath, you know, nonsense is this? Like, <laughs> is this well free birth control? Uh, I mean, yes, but like free birth control, and it sounds like they're from New York City, so it's highly possible that it's tenements. Sure. And yeah, I guess are crazy small. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. No wonder he's like, I'm leaving. Like, it's just way too crowded. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's literally like, 
the reason or part of the reason why he leaves is just like there's just there's just no room in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say his family's bad at all. It's literally it's too crowded. I'm going to the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. So that actually is a really interesting um I think undercurrent in the book because he doesn't talk very much about why he goes. I think it's partially just kind of like implied that it's fun to run off into the wilderness. And it clearly, like, I think that was probably your reaction as a kid. And I think like that would have been my reaction also. It was just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's go, you know, <laughs> like, oh, let's yeah, go no, with, with like animal friends. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm reading his book and I'm like, reading this and I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. I'm like, no, I really can't. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. Gonna, I'm not going to boil quail eggs in a <laughs> cup or something. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, and he does, um, you were talking about he does trial and error. He does, you know, there are, he does something's wrong, or he Mm -hmm. fails to do some things, but it never really gets that dire. It's never really that scary. So I think an interesting comparison is uh, the book Hatchet. You probably would have read about this. I I 100% read. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Hatchet is actually like, it feels like much grittier. One yeah. of the things that really stuck with, I mean, like, so he, I think that he, that Hatchet Kid is like in the wilderness because of like a plane crash, like he doesn't do it on purpose. But one thing that I like was really struck by as a kid at the end of Hatchet, correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but I think he gets hurt and then he realizes like, oh, I'm able to survive if everything goes right. But because I'm alone, if one thing goes wrong, I'm dead. You know, like if I break my leg, I'm dead. Uh, and it, so there's this sort of harsh realization that like, oh, there's a reason why we invented civilization. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's better. <laughs> I Whereas, don't remember that part of the book, but oh, it's totally it's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's when I was taking notes on my side of the mountain. I was thinking about this. I'm like, he is so lucky that he didn't get sick. He yes. didn't get a cut and get an infection. He didn't yes. get a leg. He, he actually gets to... cut multiple times. Well, and he didn't get tetanus, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, it's he gets, a huge like, problem. by falcon talons, like, multiple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so, you know, I mean, the whole thing about the Civil War was, like, if you didn't die immediately from the bullet, you died from infection. If you got oh, a broken yeah. leg, you died from infection. Yeah, yeah. So he's super lucky. Yeah. So, let me tell you the one thing I remember about Hatchet. Oh, yes. The one thing I remember about Hatchet... So spoilers for Booker Price probably also read in school. So like yeah, the he, his plane crashes in like the wilderness, and I think her plane was in the lake. Do you remember this part? Um, not really. Continue. The plane crashes in the lake, and I think he goes down to explore the 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 plane to see if there's anything in there. Like he's trying to see what it is. And he finds the pilot's dead body. Oh, yes, I remember that. All eaten by fishes. Yeah. And he was like, I've eaten those fishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I remember from Hatchet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely Hatchet was the gritty book. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no eating of things that I have, that have eaten a human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, this book is like the fun version if I were to run away in the wilderness and have to survive on my own, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. It also, um, 
I remember reading in these types of like how to books that I sort of read obsessively about things like how to make a trap or like how to make a fish hook out of sticks or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I remember thinking reading this is like, I feel like if I tried to do this, it would just like fall apart and not work at all. <laughs> I feel like there must be some practical knowledge uh, that you need to actually pull this off. <laughs> The whole thing about, because there's, there's lots of really cool illustrations in this. There are. You, yeah. Like, like line drawings. Yeah. And so one of them in particular is he's showing you how to make a fish hook. You kind of whittle. So he brings like nothing with him to the wilderness. He brings like a knife and I'm like, a blanket? Oh, so a yes. I also, um, he doesn't bring any kind of like carrying container. He's car- constantly carrying things in a sweater. Um, yeah. He doesn't bring a like a canteen, <laughs> which would have a been so cup. <laughs> a cup. Or well, just a way of storing water, which like maybe yeah. the water is so plentiful uh, in the mountain that he was on. Again, like we're from California, uh, <laughs> like water is very important to us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, he does not pack the way I would have packed. <laughs> no, not that. If you know you're running away, I think he brought twine and mm-hmm. a knife. And I didn't think he brought, like, a bunch of extra clothes. He wore two sweaters. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's not good packing. You're 14, that's so, like, like I knew better. I <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. like, he's making fish hooks to fish with, and he's got, you know, he's like, I whittle a twig, and then I put the two things together, and then I wrap it with some bark, and I'm like, does that work? Yeah, I don't understand how that was supposed to work at all. <laughs> I'm like, there's a reason why people invented metal fish hooks because they work yeah. much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, I think this well, is where like the first one fails, and then he says he quote unquote cheats and like uses string to make the fish hook. But yeah. even that seems like tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you've been fishing, like, dude, steal a fish hook from your family. They can sacrifice. They're not expensive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's also, I think, interesting. Um, at one point, one of his like his his human friends um, brings him sugar, but like yeah. doesn't really bring him anything else, like no. you know, a chocolate bar or some new socks or like. No. <laughs> there are all sorts of. So it's almost like he's um, set a challenge for himself as like living off the land in this totally self sufficient way. Um, it's not yeah. quite clear what the limits are, but um, he's clearly trying to, you know, bring as little with him as possible from civilization, uh, which is definitely kind of an artificial distinction, but. I think it's pretty insane. It's also pretty insane. I'm like, you know, the goal is to live out there. the, The goal is not to be like as, you know, minimalistic as possible. The goal is to, like, survive, I thought. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so this also is interesting. Um, He mentioned some point, I think this might have been when the intrepid teen reporter finds him, um, Mm -hmm. where he says something about how he doesn't like to be, he doesn't want to be, like, dependent on electricity or railroads or, like, I don't know what, which is, it hasn't come up before, and it is kind of like it's not really clear. I don't know. So I wonder if this was just sort of like an unspoken um, like we're because 1959, we're leading up towards kind of like the 60s hippies back to the land, like civilization is evil. Nature is good. 
Um, so there seems to be this kind of that underlying current to the book, but it's not really like explicitly uh, talked about. So yeah, I guess like bringing fish hooks would be like a dependence on civilization. But, but also like, I guess if you just went up there with like no knife and no anything, then you would definitely die. So wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, like he's still willing to like go to the library and read books on it. So it's not like he's anti survival uh, uh, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, that's also kind of like a great, um, you know, he he goes to the this, the library in this little town like a couple times to like look up information about how to survive in the wild, which is pretty awesome actually. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the library. <laughs> the library. So she draws him a map of like how to get to his uh, his ancestral farm. Yeah. What a nice life. She's probably pretty bored. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, little libraries, little town libraries, they don't do a ton. Hmm. So, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting book. Um, we'll, we'll, there's way more to get to. Yes. Um, so, well, I guess your first experience would not be as a child, but it sounds like you, you really liked it. I really enjoyed reading it, and I think as a kid, I would have, like, the reason why I'm pretty confident that I did not read it is I think if I had read it I would have 100% wanted my own falcon <laughs> like, and I don't uh, remember thinking about falcon. you did read it because we were obsessed with falcons weren't well, we falcon like in, pretty awesome like, <laughs> yeah it was a book that some of our other friends read and it just sort of like you kind of passively absorbed some of it we read something else that had hawking in it. I mean, we read a lot of kind of like medieval-esque fantasy. Uh, but this is like very so, um, almost like step by step, he like finds a nest and just like steals a falcon chick and like raises it. Cliff. Yeah, yeah. With like, and then the mama falcon like attacks him because she, he you know, he's stealing her babies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I just feel like if I'd read that as a kid, I would have immediately been like, okay, how am I, how, how am I going to do this? Like, <laughs> where is yeah, the first I completely thought that you had read it because I remember like in fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. I think I remember going to the school librarian and trying to get books on Peregrine Falcons and reading mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, they're the fastest animal ever. They die yeah. and all that. Yeah. Like live in New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frightful is not a peregrine though. She is. Oh, she's wait, is a duck hawk actually a peregrine? A peregrine what? Falcon? She's not a peregrine falcon? No, she's a duck hawk. What? That's what they describe her as. I'm looking up duck hawk now. Oh my goodness. Oh, it is a peregrine falcon. It means the same thing. <laughs> Learning. Let's learn. Okay. Yeah, I was pretty sure. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, they're very beautiful. It's and literally, the, like, the only falcon I know, like, specifically. <laughs> like, I don't know other falcons. Like, <laughs> the best one, because it's the fastest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Why okay. would you call it a duck hawk when you could call it a peregrine? That's, like, a way cooler name. I don't know if that's, like, a, local, maybe it's a local name or something. Must be. Must be. Okay. But, yeah. So you remember us going to the library and trying to get information about peregrine falcons? I did. And they probably had, like, a Okay. Yeah. We can't talk about the part. What do you think when we're reading it? Well, uh, I I still enjoyed it. Like I re- I actually read reread it about a month ago because I was so excited 
Mm. <laughs> I sort of jumped ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't really take notes on it because I got so absorbed into the story mm. again. Like when I was um, reading some of the other books, like I'd stop and be like, oh my gosh, why is it like this? Like, oh my gosh, why is it like that? Like, this is craziness. Yeah. In this book, I was just like, so cool just read, 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 read. and I wasn't <laughs> so I wasn't really stopping to you know write down as many thoughts on it because mm-hmm. it's one of those books where I'm just like I just got sunk into it you know yeah yeah so let's see so I think what I was thinking as I was rereading it is um I was kind of like reading it with two sets of eyes. One was that as a kid, I know I would have just 100% like bought into this. Like I 100% want to run away to the woods and like live on my own. Um, As an adult, I'm also thinking like, I don't really want to do any of this. (laughs) It's like, it seems like a lot of work. Um, It seems like you're just going to be cold and dirty all the time. And then like, you know, you can't really... You know, he, like actually at the very end, when he's like slowly easing back into civilization. He like borrows some books from the library and like takes them out to his his tree. But yeah. like other than just like the work of staying alive and then just like kind of like being in nature and enjoying being in nature, which is, you know, it's definitely fun. Um, Kind of feels like as an adult, I'm thinking, well, what is what is the point of living out here? You know, like if what's because I feel like there is a. um uh he's trying to prove to himself basically that he can survive and so like he survives through the winter and he has this like feeling of accomplishment that he survived in new england winter but but, like as as an adult i'm thinking like okay but like you know at home i always survived the winter and also i have the internet like it's like (laughs) (laughs) but as a kid i definitely would have been like this is rad like i want to make my own uh like shirt out of deer skin and like <laughs> yeah 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 I um I was always under the impression that like making like deer hide or leather was actually like very laborious and took a long time he like seems to pull it off pretty easily you know I really wonder about the speed of some of these things like mm. okay like I have I literally have friends who cannot touch raw chicken because they get, oh. it like makes them grossed out. You know, yeah. like, this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming he did not work in a slaughterhouse before <laughs> he moved to the woods. Yeah. So he's just like cool with skinning and gutting a deer. Like, yeah. So that actually, I really wonder how I would have reacted to that as a kid mm-hmm. because I feel like, um, I would I was really into animals. I think um especially a lot of kids like us who were kind of like weird kids that didn't have a lot of friends were like super into animals. So the idea of like living in the forest and like hanging out with a weasel and a raccoon would have been like super exciting to me, but I feel like killing and skinning a deer would not have been cool with me. <laughs> I would have felt terrible about having to do that. And even like stealing, you know, frightful from the nest, I would have been like you can't do that. That that doesn't belong to you. Like you, you know, well, the- belongs with her her parents <laughs> like <laughs> and, and the very act where he's stealing her the the mother is literally attacking him and he yeah. describes like he she gets hit the first time like she slams into his body yeah and i think he gets a cut from that and i'm yeah. like he should have been tore up more actually because claws 
Oh, yeah. But, like, the second time he literally says he bounces her off his shoe. I know, like, it's the like... bottom of his shoe. It's like, you kicked just like a mama falcon that was trying to save her baby from you, the horrible human. <laughs> it's yeah. like, why would it be on your side? I'm totally on the falcon side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as much as I want a baby falcon. Totally, totally. Um, like, I, yeah. It's very interesting. Again, I think it kind of goes with that whole thing of, like, he eats everything, and I'm like, I can't get Wesley to eat, like, a carrot, you know? True. And he's like, I ate wild onion tubers and mussels <laughs> and yeah, snails yeah. and like dandelion greens. Like he eats all kinds of things. And like, yeah, they're totally edible. Yeah. But again, as a big city kid, he's probably doing But he's really also literally starving. <laughs> well, that's true. But <laughs> again, like how didn't he say something about how he was like, oh, organ meats in the winter? Oh, yeah. That's also a super interesting part. Um, he starts feeling yeah, just so like there's a, achy and bad. Yeah. So he's probably starting to suffer from the beginning signs of like scurvy from the yeah. winter. Yeah. He's not getting enough vitamin C because he's just eating like leftover food. So there's no fresh greens. Um, and he just feels like horrible. And then all of a sudden, I think Frightful finds like, I don't know, like a bird or a squirrel or something. Yeah. And normally he'll give Frightful the um the the organ meats, the opal. Yeah. Yeah. But he sees the liver and he's like, mm, that looks so good and just eats it raw. Yeah. And then he like feels better because he needed the vitamin C. And you're just like, uh, Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean very adventurous. I- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's also, I, I um kind of wish we knew exactly when this took place, because if you were, like, you know, a lower, lower class person in New York City in, like, I don't know, the 30s or the 40s, like, you probably ate a lot of liver. It was cheap. You know, like, uh, uh you know, scrawny little Steve Rogers was probably eating a lot of liver. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's, like, raw? <laughs> raw. Probably you cooked it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you probably bought your meat at a butcher's. You know, it wasn't, like, wrapped in saran wrap at the grocery store. So it probably looked a little bit more like it came from an animal. Um, I don't know that you, again, would have the, you know, ability to butcher a deer. Which, just, like, again, he has a, I think it's a relatively small knife. I feel like just, let's say you have, like, a four-inch knife. You have to butcher a deer. That's, like... That's that's work, man. That's like it's oh, not gonna be pretty. Like, <laughs> How do you get through like some of those joints? Right? Oh, you're gonna be at that for a while, and it's gonna be messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, no. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like the average person in like the 30s or 40s was probably a little bit cooler with some of that stuff than we are now. But I don't know that it's to the extent that he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't, he is not an average kid. And, and That's so true. Think, one of the other things that I was thinking about reading this is, like, again, it's hard to place the time at which this exists. Because, yeah. you know, they don't talk about making, do they make a phone call? Do they talk about phones? They do. Because when the dad goes to look for him, he says that if he didn't find him by Christmas, he was going to call the mom. Okay. So yeah. telephones, yeah. But they may not be, like, super common because it wasn't yeah. like a librarian's like call your parents and tell them you're okay she's like yeah. write a letter yeah 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 you know 
Because also, like, in this era, depending if they are living in tenements, their mom might not even have a phone in the tenement. They may share one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that seems likely. I mean, party lines were common until, like, the 50s. I would say Probably, yeah. maybe even later. I had a, yeah, later. a co-worker who was, I think, a little bit younger than my parents. But mm-hmm. um, she said growing up, her neighborhood had one phone. Wow. And this is um, in California. And so, like, when people were, like, applying for jobs or if there was, like, an emergency, they would call that one person's house. And then she would, like, run and go get somebody. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, that's, like, the nicest person in the world. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that person is, like, yeah. Yeah, so she, she doesn't remember even getting a phone until, like, late elementary or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's hard to place the time because technology back then was sort of hadn't changed a ton. So technically, because there's no cell phones, there's no satellite, there's <laughs> not this yeah. stuff. So as a child reading this in the late 80s, huh? it could have been 10 years ago, you know, yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Which also kind of fits into like when I was a kid, I kind of assumed that all books were written like relatively recently or hundreds of years ago. There were like two possible times in which books yeah. could be written. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. This book was published in 59, and I was like, wow, that's like a pretty old book. And you would never necessarily realize that it was from the 50s because it could have easily have been yeah. the, the 80s, you know? Right. Because I think now you run away, mm. and even if you're going to live off the wilderness, you know, I mean, you're still going to talk about a cell phone, right, you know, or the internet or something, right. That's well, and that, like the attitude of like virtually every adult he meets is so laissez-faire. I mean, I think there is a little bit like the the author seems to have um, a point of view here that like you should kind of just let kids make their own mistakes, which I think is actually kind of like coming back into vogue. Like it seems very Montessori. Um, but they're like, basically they're all, all the, all the adults with a few exceptions are kind of like, oh, you're living out in the wilderness. That's weird. Well, if you could run into any trouble, like, come let me know, I'll help you out. But not like, uh, no kid, come on, we're going home. Like, <laughs> I'm going to call yeah, your Nobody says you're truant. <laughs> yeah. 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 No one even mentions the fact that he's not going to school. Yeah. Yeah. But like he gets, he hitchhikes like truckers pick him up and they just like drop him off in the middle of the woods and they're like well okay and not like uh no child i'm not gonna leave you in the middle of the woods that's crazy and i would probably get arrested (laughs) (laughs) or something like yeah they literally it's just really like whatever you're cool yeah 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 and even um so uh like news kind of gets out that there's like a feral child like living in the mountains yeah. uh, and like so he like <laughs> he shows up in the newspapers but yeah. you know no one no one like calls child protective services which i'm almost certainly didn't exist like no one calls the police like really the kind of threat to him like continuing to live in the mountains is literally the the media <laughs> like <laughs> Well, in the beginning, I think he said there was a forest ranger that was looking for him because he was building fires. Yes. Yeah. So they don't want fires in the forest. Right. Right. Child living in the forest. (laughs) Yeah. There's also a time like fairly late in the book. He just goes into town and like just runs into like another boy around his same age. 
And he's trying to pretend like, oh, yeah, like I just I live on a farm. I'm just like a normal person. Um, mm-hmm. He's wearing like head to toe, like deer yeah. leather that he like skinned himself. Like he probably looks insane. Like he's like, a he's weird mountain. He's wearing a skin cap. He's wearing the pants and shirt that he made. But like his shirt made out of deer skin is just like. A square, like he literally yeah. described, he just cut two squares and sews them together, and then sews like two big flat pockets on the yeah. front of them. So it's not like it's a stylish yeah. here. He even made moccasins. He's not even real wearing real shoes. Yeah, uh, I think they do uh, kind of imply that like the the kid from town is like not fooled that he's like a normal child. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think anyone believes him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of terrific. And he like he claims that he like takes a bath every day or whatever, but like, come on. How often were you like you weren't brushing your hair? You probably look like a, you know crazy man. A feral. <laughs> well, not just but not only that, but like, okay, so he's a fourteen year old boy. Yeah. You've never taken a bath daily? Yeah. You have good soap and deodorant. Oh. How do you uh, not have like fleas? He's Oh yeah, that's a great question. Actually, he is uh, he's washing with um, he's like there's some sort of bark, like slippery elm bark. Uh, I don't think that's the same. Yeah, I don't think that's real soap. <laughs> I kind of feel like you know people. There are natural products that do similar things mm-hmm. to you know household products, but I feel like there's a reason why we use those man made products now yeah. because they work a bit better. Yeah. Right. So oh. maybe that soap is okay, but mm. it's not the same thing as like. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, I think um, deodorant is a relatively modern invention, and like probably a hundred years ago, and then for all of human history, we were just fine being sweaty. It was just like how we were. No. So. I have perfume. Oh, okay. Yes, but like you know. For the peasants, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, clearly it bothered some people because you know, right? Uh, how many whales were killed for ambergris, right? Like, true. Yeah, that's true. So let me let me look at some of my other crazy notes here. Yes. Okay, so I, I titled it "My Deep Thoughts." Deep thoughts. Okay, so um, Bill as Davis Ex Machina <laughs> <laughs> appears to help with fire making and then is never seen again. <laughs> I know. Kind of, kind of feel for the guy actually. So, um, you know, a a hungry, cold, uh, fourteen year old from the big city like shows up on his farm. And he's like, "All right, kid, I'm gonna teach you how to like make a fire. I'm gonna let you like sleep under my roof tonight." And like, he kind of like, but he, he says, you know, we like lets him go. He's like, "Well, you know, come back tonight if like this wilderness thing isn't working out." And then yeah. he never sees him again. I know. <laughs> That kid's dead. <laughs> right. Because I totally think, like, he's going to oh, turn no. around, he's going to come back. Exactly. We clearly have some, too. Yeah. Maybe go to the police. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Come back. There's a dead uh, kid in the wilderness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, this is my other thought. Okay. So, because a lot of the questions we have aren't really as relevant because it's not like full on memories here. It's mm-hmm. just like, this is a cool book. Yeah, um, I messed up our format, but uh, yeah. It's okay. 
Well, we were thinking about doing that for other books later. Anyway. That's true. That's true. So this is a this is an experiment. Yeah, because like you've read Vanicula and I've never read it. So. Oh, we should read Vanicula then. <laughs> you know who's read that? Wesley's read it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Okay. Very good. So this is my question. What <laughs> as I was reading this, is this a kids book? Kids will not get a thorough reference. Hell, I barely get a thorough reference. He's a very mature 14-year-old. <laughs> um, yeah. We should talk about Bando. Let's talk about Bando. Oh, let's talk about Bando. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Bando is this dude that he runs into just walking around the woods. So he hears a police siren. So, again, he's, like, close enough to civilization that, like, he could hear a police siren. There's a road um, not too far away. Yeah, there's a road not too yeah. far away. Which, again, I feel like the East Coast idea of what wilderness is is, like, not what it is here in the in the wide open west um but uh yeah so he hears a police siren and then he runs into um this guy who's like just lost in the woods and he's like ah he must be like a murderer on the run <laughs> but just like the friend's <laughs> like of course yeah it's like well i don't know why um yeah but he turns out to just be like a um, an english professor that's lost and just like stays with him for a couple weeks <laughs> Yeah, because he's on vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as a child, I didn't think about this. But, like, again, as an adult, I'm rereading this. And I'm like, okay, mm. so he thinks he's a murderer or a criminal. Like, full on thinks he's a criminal. But, like, you know, I haven't talked to this dude. And, like, invited him to stay at my house. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm okay with Where is I feel like now, nowadays, you just be like, oh, like random adult stranger. Uh, I should not talk to you, even not stranger thinking. Danger. Yeah, yeah, there's stranger danger in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, go ahead. He's an adult. And like, yeah, it's cool just hanging out with a 14-year-old in the wilderness. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so many red flags in modern <laughs> society now. Maybe yeah. it's a much more innocent time, but... I mean, I think it was. Uh, well, he's a I know, I know. So yeah, Bando is really interesting. So yeah, he's this lost professor, and essentially they just become really good friends. He's the one who actually brings them sugar later because they're berries, and so they want to make pancakes later. Hmm. And so you're like, oh, I'm gonna bring you sugar so you could make jam. Yeah. To put on the blueberry pancakes because he gets lost over. I don't know if it was winter, winter, but he's like, I'll come back during spring break. Mm-hmm. And then he's to hang out with him for like another no, week. He came back for Christmas. Oh, was it over Christmas? He came back for Christmas because uh, oh, Sam yeah. made him a present. <laughs> That's right. Right. Made him some gloves or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very, very interesting because clearly Sam does, like he, he's running away from people. But yet continually seeks people out. Yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting um, tension to that that I think the author is very aware of, even though, like, Sam himself doesn't really understand this. Um, mm-hmm. It's, like, enjoyment of being alone in the wilderness and being totally free and doing whatever you want and, like, just the longing for, you know, human companionship. Um, just even being able to, like, talk to another human being. I think that is probably why he talks to Bando, uh, just like, you know, because he didn't talk to anyone in like a month, except for like, you know, his his animal friends. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and he has 
a very like interesting relationship with his animal friends like he feeds them sort of and he kind of takes care of them and they kind of take care of him and he talks to them and they kind of chitter or yeah. back at him you know but it's not yeah. like a real conversation although I think at certain moments where he does imagine Frightful is actually talking to him mm-hmm. in his head which is a little you're yeah, like cool. all right kid you've, you've been alone too long like <laughs> yeah so like he does end up that's why he ends up talking to Bando um there's the boy reporter yeah finds, and yeah. then he's full on like is walking around the woods and sees Aaron playing music or something and then like instead of just going on his merry way like full on just like busts in and says hey like introduces yeah. himself yes yes and he even says like why did I do this he's like maybe I just need people yeah 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 which um yeah, so it is kind of like edging backwards towards like kind of the place where Hatchet ends up, which is like you can't live alone. Like humans just don't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know how he has free time. I mean, from what I understand, the whole point of like before certain conveniences wasn't life just a slog, like literally. <laughs> Set up yeah. and down is making sure you had enough food. Well, um, supposedly, like hunter-gatherer societies, uh, like you aren't pulling like eighty-hour weeks, but you have a you know a, a tribe that helps you. <laughs> you know, right. like uh, you find you know some you know nuts or berries or some resource, and you like gather them together, and then you have stuff or you know, one person catches a deer and then you can all eat deer. You're not just yeah. like one person, which I mean, it does kind of happen a couple times that he's um, early on. He doesn't have any food store and that he is like, you know, kind of on the verge of uh, actually not having enough to eat or um, there's actually a great part really early on when he's um, working on his treehouse, uh, and he realizes that he's been like, working hard all day and he's super hungry but he doesn't have any food and like now he's like too hungry to go find food it's like mm-hmm. which which i guess like you know i also run into this situation even in my soft modern life and i had to sadly wait till my mom came home and then after yeah yeah you're like you know, you, you get it up to actually go to the grocery store and you get home and you're just like, but now I have to make the food. Yeah. I want to eat the food now. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard. Uh, but anyway, so like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So actually that is a question that I have. If like one person, yeah. um, would you have free time living this way or I would don't... you be on the verge of collapse at all times? I have my doubts. Now, again, I think, that's partially why he needs Frightful, because mm-hmm. she provides a lot of protein. Yes. That he would not be able to get normally. You, I don't think he's good enough fishing or yeah. trapping small animals. She right. provides a lot. Right. But, At a sort of a low um, expenditure from him, right? He's not, like, running around catching animals. He's uh, letting her do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, he'll kick up an animal, and then she catches it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Which is good, because it's not like he has, he doesn't have a slingshot, he doesn't have a spear, he doesn't have an axe, he doesn't have any of that. That's true. Yeah. That actually, that is 
Interesting. Tiny. He doesn't really have a weapon per se. He's a tiny knife. Yeah. And a hawk. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a falcon, right? And a falcon, yeah. So, um, but I think it's interesting because, you know, again, like, I'm thinking back to, like, anthropologic, anthropological stuff, right? And so, you know, hunter and gatherers, you, you did live in a group, and so you could share resources, and that's incredibly useful because, yeah. say, you weren't successful hunting, maybe someone else is, you know, you might share with the group, right? Right. Um, you get sick, and, like, someone else can provide for you, like, while you're getting better. In theory, right? As long as it's in not theory. like epidemic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, agriculture is still a more reliable source of food, which is why they switched to agriculture versus hunting and gathering. Right, right. Right. Even though nutritionally it is more poor, and I think we talked about this in the previous thing. We did, yeah. Podcast, yeah. It's a reliable source of calories, even though those calories are kind of crappy, right? Right. Like it's all carbs, but, right. you know, you're more likely to have corn later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so... Like, it just seems like so, it, I don't know how much free time you would literally have as a single person trying to do this on your own mm-hmm. without the modern conveniences. If he had, if he had a rifle, it might be different. If he had <laughs> something. Something. Right. I just think, I don't know. I mean, and I'm thinking about how much a 14-year-old boy eats. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. Like, they're not just eating a little bit. Like, the calories needed at that age. (laughs) Like, aren't teenage boys eating something like three, four thousand calories a day? Is that true? Damn. Well, I mean, like, supposedly, like, a regular sedentary human being needs two thousand. Okay, right. And you're, like, actively growing, like, pretty, pretty fast. Or if you're an athlete and if he's running around in the forest. Right. And, like, cold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Calories. Yeah. You know, I think uh, when when Bando comes back at Christmas, he like grabs his arm and like pinches his flesh, and I was like, oh, like there's a good amount of meat on you, like you're eating well, and it's like, wow. So he's, but yeah, I would think that especially if um, especially living in one place because hunter gatherers move around, I would assume that there'd be some point in time of the year when there's like there's no berries, there's no nuts, there's no tubers, like there's no game, yeah. like you just wouldn't have yeah. anything to eat. Yeah, so I, I, I was reading stuff, like, basically that said there's this sort of movement to go back to nature and forage and sustainable farming, like, grow your subsistence living. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they want people to kind of do that. And, like, there was an article that literally was saying the problem with this is you need a lot more land yeah. per person to live like that, to subsistence farm. yeah. And so, you know, one person can maybe live off of the land, I don't know for how long, would he be able to do this for years? Because you dig up those, you know, tubers mm-hmm. or whatever, maybe there's no right. more tubers the next year because you killed all yeah. of them. Yeah, 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 that's a great question, actually. Right? Like, if you eat all of the mussels in the lake, mm-hmm. or of the, of the river or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe there aren't any more later. Right, yeah. So, I mean, would it be possible for this to go on? So yeah. um, there actually are, I think, two sequels to this book. Hmm. There's, I know there's um, the far side of the side of them, and then stuff books about frightful. Oh, okay. And I I have the sequel, which is on the far side of the mountain, and it's um. Do you, do you, have, you haven't read them either, right? I have not. Yeah, tell me what happens. 
So from what I remember, because I have not read that one as much, but I don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. The family comes to live with him at the end, and you know his dad's like, "Oh, we're gonna start the farm back up." He's like, "I've been a sailor and worked mm-hmm. at the docks, but you know what? We're gonna go back to the land like our family used to, you know." Mm-hmm. And so he meets the family and. Like, after the summer, I think literally his dad's like, yeah, nope, not doing this. <laughs> That's fascinating because, um, yeah, his dad is super psyched about the whole experiment in this book. Um, yeah, the dad comes to see him twice. And the both times was just like, this is so great. This is so fun. You're doing so so well. I'm so proud of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about the end of this book also? Because the end is wild. Oh, yeah, let's uh, talk about the end before we talk about the sequel then. Yeah, let's talk about the end. So, um, right. So he's slowly getting kind of like, he clearly misses human companionship of some kind. Um, He's kind of like edging towards this realization that he like can't live completely isolated forever. And then his dad comes and he's like, wow, dad, you're back. And he's like, guess what? I brought the whole family and we're going to live here. (laughs) Yeah. So his, uh, you know, his mom and their, uh, how many other children? Eight other children? Um, it's a huge, it's like a gaggle with it's babies and everything. Like, um, they set up in his little right, room and he's like upset. Like he's, happy, he's also kind of upset. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think his, the the mom says that uh, the newspaper said that she was like a bad mother because she let her 14-year-old child become feral, which, you know, I don't know. Fair, fair, <laughs> and so I think says something like, listen, um, in, when you're 18, you can do whatever you want, but like, we, I need to take care of you until then. And the way we're going to do that is we're just all going to live on this mountain. Right. Yeah. What I think is sort of odd is that it took the newspaper saying that for her to realize that, hey, you should, you need to be 18. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a whole missing part of the fantasy of running away, uh, which I think is alluded to in the preface, is that as a little kid, you think about like, oh, like, when are they going to notice that I'm gone? Like, are they going to be sad? He just leaves. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he like leaves a note or anything. He's just gone. And like yeah. they don't come looking for him for months. Do they? Well, does he send him a postcard? He does, right? He sends them a, like a letter to saying like, "Hey, what's up? I'm in the mountains now." I think so. I right. Think he does. But, but I, you know, as a parent, you'd be like, "Cool, I get you. You cannot live in the mountains." <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I don't know. I find it. It's just sort of. It's it's a weird. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can definitely see that there's kind of a fantasy at play. Because you would never be allowed to do that. I don't. I think right. even in the wild old days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't is it is it Bando that says like, listen, kid, like in America you just can't live this way. Like civilization just won't let you live this way. And it's sort of phrased in this kind of like '60s s, like, oh, you know, society wants you to conform or whatever. I think it is. Yeah, but there's also kind of a take of like the reason why we don't let children run feral on the mountains is because they'll like, you know, be illiterate and get rickets. You know, we'd like as a society, we're kind of against that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, there's no, it's so hard <laughs> to talk about because I don't know how 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 it goes about. How does that happen? <laughs> right right 
I mean, I think it does like happen today that like you you can go off the grid, you know, like no one's gonna stop you. But as but a I, child, you're not supposed to. Yeah, so, I definitely think they'd run after you. You know, you gotta at least do the like the homeschooling paperwork, right? Like, some. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they can go after you for like Yeah, exactly. So I think what happens is generally, you know. Until you turn 18, if something happens to you and your kid runs off, like the parents are responsible you like for you financially still. So they're yeah. supposed to try to look for you and like they're still yeah. liable. And the age may have been lower in the past, but even so. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, like, I think in the, I feel like in that era, like if you wanted to run off, like wouldn't you just lie about your age and just join the military? Like right, right, right. Which <laughs> apparently like was stereotypically going on all the time. Thirteen-year-old uh, joined to fight in World War right, right, right? right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he 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 he's told now he's like, oh, we have to be eighteen to do this, and he's like, that's not cool. So sequel, from what I can remember, because I have not again read it recently, yes, let's hear it. was that his one of his younger sister Alice, who he's kind of closer with, but she's also kind of annoying because apparently his family's just annoying. Okay. Um, like everyone else, I think goes back to the city. Mm-hmm. After this whole farm thing doesn't seem to work out for them, but she wants to stay. Mm. And then I think a ranger basically says, like, hey, you can't keep Peregrine Falcons. Right, right. And so he has to release her. Oh. But then they find out that the ranger is like a fake ranger and is like, oh. her. And so Alice runs off to try to get her back. And so, like, they're using Simmons' same kind of wilderness skills to track Alice. Like, she learned a lot from Sam on how to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's not as good because, honestly, My Southern Mountain has, like, no plot. So, yeah, I want to talk about this also because it's really interesting that it does virtually have no plot. But it's mm-hmm. an incredibly, like, it's almost a page turner. Like, it's, it's incredibly compelling to read. Yeah. I think we're very much like movies today are very carefully like scripted to, you know, have a certain format. You know, you have your like your three act structure. Um, There's a feeling of like some beat has to be happening all the time. And what this book is really about is like, it's interesting to hang out in the wilderness and like make rafts and stuff. (laughs) And it is, it's super interesting. (laughs) So I I don't know. I really like that. I feel like actually I kind of wish that, um, more books and movies today would be a bit more like that with just this realization of like not everything has to have an arc not everything has to have like a beginning and middle and end we could just be like here's an interesting situation let's just like hang out well i mean i guess it's sort of similar to you know they had for a while this bear grills survivor man man versus wild (laughs) right 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 less dramatic yes yeah it's the same thing where you're learning you know you know, what you could do in the situation right. to survive. Right. It's an interesting book. If you guys have not read it and you mm-hmm. want to pretend like you would live in the wilderness, like, mm-hmm. this is a good book for that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thoreau. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. Bando calls him Thoreau. And I'm like, I didn't know who Thoreau was at that age. It's and not that because of Walden's on the pond thing. Yeah. Is that when he, like, went to the wilderness and, like, thought deep thoughts as well? That's true. And famously, we now know that, like, his mom was doing his laundry and stuff. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He oh, was not God. off the grid. Like, literally, someone was bringing him sandwiches or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's, like, the best life ever. <laughs> I, I, 
right? It is the best life ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send the deep thoughts and then you're going to bring me sandwiches. And like, that seems fair. <laughs> it's not fair. Um, but you also yeah. have to think about like a philosopher back in that era, like, could he really survive? Like, no. Like, <laughs> he was just, yeah, being transcendental all by himself. Yeah. Could not handle actual skills. But you don't have time for uh, deep thoughts. You're you're getting you're hungry. You don't have enough calories for deep thoughts. <laughs> did everyone else want a falcon after this book? Because I sure as hell did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds great because you clearly. Um, so one of the things that I think is really good about the book is that it drives home the fact that he's because he's isolated in the mountains and spending just like, you know, completely immersed in the wilderness. He um, observes everything very closely and so he uh is able to kind of pick up on all the like the the body language of of frightful and like what she actually is communicating uh she um he like uses her as kind of like an early alert system like he can tell when she's like something has caught her attention it's just like oh someone's coming or like the idea of having this like very deep immersive relationship like with an animal is kind of like i think a common child fantasy (laughs) You well, know, carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh yeah, that's also like he literally uh, accidentally uses her as like a canary in the coal mine. So uh, he builds a little fireplace in his tree, uh, and he thinks like, oh, this is great, I'm gonna stay warm. And then he notices that the, his falcon is like passing out. Yeah, falling <laughs> He's off like, the oh, I, I I burned all the oxygen <laughs> in the air. We're gonna die. Um, yeah. yeah, he forgot to vent. yeah 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 i feel like i would i would be very cautious about like if i lived in a tree i think i would have my fire outside but that's just me (laughs) you said it was too cold right yeah yeah i mean you live where it's cold now but i don't think those winters are the same as like a new york mountain oh I mean, there's, you know, like a heavy snowfall on the ground. It would definitely be very cold. And he's like wearing skins, which I don't think are like great insulation. Um, he said there's like furs, his fur lining and fur undies. And- <laughs> he makes fur underwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even so, uh, I imagine like it's not as good as, you know, like a modern parka. <laughs> no, no, multiple layers. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Um, Let's see, what else did I write? I wrote, I am not outdoorsy, but I want a tree house or a hobbit hole. Or a hobbit hole. (laughs) How is his house not full of bugs or does he not care? Does he have bugs and he doesn't care? So, uh, yeah, like, are there mosquitoes? Are there ticks? Like, yeah, yeah, there's virtually no mention of insects. That's actually a really interesting point. Um, he has like he has all these giant food stores, and at one point they get his food store gets looted after a New Year's Eve party. Halloween party. Animal <laughs> Halloween party for his friend. Yeah. Animal friend. Yeah. His food. Yeah. And he, he, he builds a second, and he carves another hole in a second tree house in these giant trees. I keep thinking, I'm like, if you just left food out, mm. would like something find it and eat something. it? would definitely find it and eat it yeah, yeah. like Cause it's not I like mean, it's I, sealed up like a you know yeah. like a, a the, the, the you know those bear canister things you put your food in when you go camping like it's definitely not like yeah. that 
don't know I mean, if there's like I've worked in bears. places where they were like, don't leave granola bears out unless yeah. you put it like in a container because they're like mice will eat it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a part where he talks about he's like literally competing with the squirrels to like find all the nuts uh, yeah. and store them for winter. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. I think something would definitely be eaten. You know, like nothing, nothing goes rotten. He's apparently like very successful in like smoking his meat, but nothing seems to spoil. It was written in the 50s. There's no mention of like where he's going to the bathroom. That seems like a problem. <laughs> yeah, considering he has a knife. Where is he? He, he? He's supposed to dig a hole, right? Like where? Where is his hole? Like how do you dig that? You need a little shovel. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Speaking yeah. of, um, you know, things like that. So I, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. This podcast will kill you. And I think we talked about it before. But this mm-hmm. is, we just, I just read, listened to the episode on Giardia. Oh yeah, I also wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, we kind of talked about how he got very, very lucky where he doesn't get sick at all this entire time. Now, granted, he is not really being exposed to germs from other people, but that doesn't mean there aren't germs in the environment, i.e. tetanus, you know, yeah, like there aren't mosquitoes around that potentially could be carrying something. I don't know. But like this podcast was saying that Giardia is literally so pervasive. There's nowhere in the world. It does not exist except Antarctica. Yeah. Um, so when I went on these like national park vacations, um, we were always told like, if you, you human being have access to the water, like that water is not clean. You have to boil it or like filter it or, you know, but if you just like find a mountain stream and like drink out of it, you will 100% Giardia, which is like, Basically, I think it's basically like horrible diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good time. Um, Apparently, vomit, but primarily diarrhea. Yeah. For like two weeks. Yeah. Which, like, you know, if you're laid out for two weeks, again, you're dead, right? Because you you're not gathering food or. At uh, the time, well, it's not even just not gathering food, but you. So the the podcast was talking about the reason why people died in the days probably is because um, dehydration. Yes. Because you're just pooing out all your liquid. Yep. Um, yep. And then also, it it's not allowing you to absorb nutrients from the foods you are eating. Right, because you're just like it's all going out like immediately. Exactly. So you know people, you know, then now there's treatments right you can yeah. survive and it's okay but you know if you're out in the jungle or something like that mm-hmm. you know malnutrition and dehydration dehydration yeah. can kill you in days right yeah um and it does seem like he you're again, a child. i'm sorry oh you're a child yeah 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 that's true that's true and this also it sounds like this i you know i've never been to the Catskills. it seems like uh water is very prevalent there's like a fairly large stream and like also a mountain spring. Um, so it seems like he has access to a lot of water, but this is also something that we were always like, this was drilled into our heads. Like if you're going, ha- if you're going hiking, like you need to bring water, you need to bring more water than you think you're going to need. Cause like yeah. you will definitely feel bad, like pretty quickly, especially if you're at altitude. I feel like East coast mountains are like very small, but yeah, but yeah, they don't really talk a lot about just making sure he has enough water to drink. And that's crucially important to like, yeah. not die. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think he does get excited when he finds rivers and he's like full on drinking from them. And I'm just like, right. 
Like, you know, like like that line in Moana with the ocean, just like fish peeing you all day. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true, and that's not even like the worst of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because if you're drinking out of it, like other animals drinking out of it, other animals are potentially yeah. vacating <laughs> so again he's like an hour's walk away from town so we're thinking we're like probably a couple miles at most maybe five miles at most yeah. that is definitely close enough to be like contaminated by some something right yeah i mean and again if it's rural i mean i don't know how you know i mean like <laughs> okay so we grew up in la which is like a giant giant city upon city upon city yes and I know there's parts of the country where, like, you actually have gaps in between cities. You have, like, wilderness. I've heard of this, yes. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah, like, there still might be pollutants in mm-hmm. the water. Yeah. If there's, like, logging or copper mining, which apparently is terrible for the environment. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Any kind of mining industry. This is, again, uh, like, this is not a pristine wilderness. Like, I don't know if there's... There's manufacturing, there's mining, there's like whatever these people, what are, I don't know what the industry of this little town is, but. Uh, used, I mean, he, they used to have his farm, it's a family farm. Okay, yeah. Right? Sure. Um, oh, people are farming if there were livestock. Yeah, that's very, that's bad stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I, he's very <laughs> lucky. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and you, you also see this is a little bit of a, um, a fantasy of, Again, the unspoiled wilderness, like heavy scare quotes around that. And it's very like, you know, it's a very attractive thought that you would just like find a beautiful mountain stream and like drink this pure, clean water. Um, so, you know, I understand. it. I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it probably tastes really good. But yeah, um, <laughs> and you will die. Microbes. <laughs> there are microbes. Yeah. 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 So they talk about how it was first discovered and who first discovered the Giardia. Um, I think they said was it a protozoa or something like that. That sounds right. Yeah. The, the guy when he first described them, he called them animalcules. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds so cute. It does sound cute. <laughs> not molecules, animalcules. Yeah. It's the the guy who first sort of refined microscopes. Oh, like, uh, basically took everything and just like looked at everything under microscopes, hmm. including his own poo, uh, <laughs> which included Giardia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I remember the same thing. We used to go hiking in Girl Scouts. I think like your mom and every all the scout leaders are like, don't drink the water. <laughs> don't drink the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you will definitely get sick. And so I think that's why it's like, called backpackers but i think it's pretty common in, in like south america too so. mm. and he doesn't talk about ever like i boiled my water like he does he's able to boil water eventually, eventually he is um we didn't mention that like before so they get the sugar and they have blueberries that they've gathered in the mountains but before they can make jam they literally have to make pots to like hold the jam yep. <laughs> they like find clay and like make pots it's pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know how easy that is, though. Okay, so mm. I've taken pottery. <laughs> <laughs> I love, we've basically like, okay, let's fact check this book. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, so many problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if how good that pottery would be because 
like so when I did pottery I think you had to fire it like twice mm. like, this is a while ago so the first time you like you shape it and then you fire it and the first bake mm-hmm. like hardens it but I don't think it's waterproof I think you have to add the um lacquer not lacquer glaze um, hmm? the glaze yeah. the glaze I believe is what makes it waterproof yeah Although, in fairness, he actually does mention, um, like, Bando asks, like, oh, how's that How's that jam going? And he's like, oh, I mean, it still tastes good, but, like, all the juice is kind of, like, leaking out. Uh, so I think his his pottery is porous. Yeah, I think that is, because it also he may not be able to bake it at a high enough temperature. Yes. Of course, we're baking it in a classroom setting or, like, a school setting, so it's, like, a real kiln. A real kiln, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bury it or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember. but you know, he clearly doesn't have like a, you know, a, a firing vessel that would, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know that like there are some techniques where you like build this giant fire underground and you have all the coals and then you put them on top mm-hmm. and then you bury it and then you like unearth your pottery. Right. Right. And that's like, well, I don't think he's not doing that. You he's know? not doing that. Yeah. But I mean, he still could have probably waterproofed those pots like. You just get, um, I don't know, just any kind of oil, like a fat. Oh, good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. deer fat or something. Yeah. It probably would not taste great, but yeah. <laughs> like it would have been more waterproof. Yeah. Or like wax if he had bees. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no bees. I never mentioned bees. You didn't? There's no honey? No honey. Oh. That's dangerous. That, that'd be dangerous. Hmm. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't know how you. Yeah, I mean, all this is um, you know, this is technology. This is like a lot of uh, human knowledge mm-hmm. that he's like learned a certain amount of it out of books, and then yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive if you think about it, because like I read a lot of stuff doesn't mean I can actually <laughs> do any of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm watching these videos on woodworking, and I'm like, that's really cool. And if you gave me those tools, I'd be like, yeah, I still can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, can I say uh, one other way that he totally should have died? Yeah. Um, so uh, this I learned from the podcast Criminal, if we're just going to cite other podcasts. But oh. yeah, 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 yeah. So there was this, it's like a um, it's like a crime podcast. They were talking about this uh, incident where um, a woman died of like, uh like trauma to the head, like blunt force trauma to the head. Mm-hmm. And uh, they arrested the husband for like os- obvious reasons. But it oh. turned out what had actually happened is that she had gone for a walk and unknowingly had walked near the nest of an owl. And the mm. owl uh, like dive bombed her and like whacked her in the head. And mm. owls, um, they hit their prey at incredible speeds. So like this owl just like whacked her in the head and she went home and then just like died. And he mentions at one point, like, finding an owl and, like, kind of noticing that it has a nest. Um, and he also, you know, he gets kind of, like, attacked by this falcon. But, like, a large enough owl could 100% kill a human being. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, he was very lucky. <laughs> yeah. The peregrine falcon. The mom could have easily killed him. Like, knocked him off mm-hmm. the cliff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 30 feet. Hmm. Like, I get the feeling he climbed quite high. Right, you know? right, yeah. So I think it's it's pretty crazy. Um, but there's no, um, like, there's no bears. There's no, like, mountain lions. Um, do they have mountain lions? No, 
I don't know. I actually don't know what kind of like apex predators live in the Catskills. I wonder if also it's been so long that a lot of the large predators maybe don't live that close to civilization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is an interesting discussion. I don't know if, like, I don't have enough information to, like, weigh in on this, but the the question of, like, how wild is this wilderness, right? Yeah, we don't know. It was a farm, like, did you say his great-grandfather? So, like, you know... I don't know how well, years ago. At most, yeah. So it's like, which is interesting. I'm not saying it's like fake, you know, but uh, again, the sort of idea of like living off the land and the unspoiled wilderness is like, what what exactly is unspoiled and what condition is this this ecosystem actually in? Right, right. You know, I mean, because they even talk about that. Like, so you know, we read Witch Blackbird Pond previously, and so that area has been pretty heavily civilized civilized uh, not civilized settled I guess is yeah. the word yeah. for for five four hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. And so that's a long time to be cutting down trees and killing bears and I don't know, hunting <laughs> wolves or whatever, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure all the wolves were completely gone. Right. And so, like, again, we grew up in California, so it's quite different. Like, they just killed the last bear, like, 100 years ago. Right. <laughs> the last grizzly. We still have black bears. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. like, we still have coyotes that run around all the time here. Yeah, they're getting worse, actually. Oh, there's so many coyotes. We have <laughs> those yeah. where you can see yeah. the footage. There's so many coyotes. But, like, in, say, Scotland or England, which has been settled for even longer... It's it's crazy because, you know, I mean, they really don't have, like, any apex predators. I think they've really been killed. Yeah, yeah. And even, like, the type of forests they have are changed because of the extent of human, you know, um, effects yeah. on, on the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. One of the things I learned in Scotland was that, so, back hundreds of years ago, they have these, um, like, deer and they have mm-hmm. these giant racks, so you can see the antlers, right? Mm. And they used to be these huge antlers on display. You can still see them. And they say, like, no, you can no longer find deer with antlers that large mm-hmm. because of the type of um, trees available. So the old oh. trees weren't as dense. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, tree, the, the deer with the large antlers could still survive, but mm. the trees now that live there are different and they're I guess their branches are more um com- like more in tight. Oh, that's so if interesting. If you have a deer with really big antlers, it'll actually get stuck in the branches and die. Wow. Yeah. So there's like different evolutionary pressures. Exactly. That's right? so interesting. Yeah. Like, because of the trees that were cut down and then maybe the the other trees grew faster, right? Right. Right. So it's um it's really different. So again, I don't know. I mean. East Coast listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you exist. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because we really don't know. I don't know a ton of the ecology of yeah. um, New York. Yeah, for right? sure. sure. Just like what I see in movies. Right, or right. Or Geographic. Yeah. I think I also like have a little bit of a... Um, I like to look down on the East Coast because I feel like they look down on us. <laughs> so, like, oh, so you call that a mountain. That's cute. That's cute. I mean, it's kind of a hill, but that's cute. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. They um, have dinosaurs in there. <laughs> what what is the point? What is the point? You know. That was that was fine maybe like in the past, but like we're where it's at now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> East Coast ecology. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he could have gotten ticks. He could have gotten Lyme sure. disease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess actually the only other like historical thing that I wanted to mention, even though I also don't really know anything about it, is um, so he mentions I think a couple times that he is sort of like living like like an Indian, or he is you know making yeah. Indian style moccasins. Um, yeah. and I think there was definitely this feeling of living i think this was kind of like a a 60s notion that like living like you know the indians or the native americans was kind of like this good proper moral way to live and like we had gotten out of touch with that so i think there's this kind of desire of like reverting to like a native american lifestyle even though you don't know any native americans (laughs) you know what i mean um yeah there's a little bit of that image of what that would have been like Yes, yes, yeah. It was something that, like, white people found very appealing, like, after they had driven all of the actual Native Americans away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not really talked about a whole bunch in the book, but it's definitely um, kind of mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think in the 40s and 50s, I mean, and even when you were kids, like, you would like Cowboys and Indians, mm-hmm. right? So, again, there's a sort of idealized... You know, maybe it's like the whole noble savage concept. Right? Yeah, yeah. We have a bunch of the Western movies. And, but I think similar, we'd like read books about Native American culture, and they were very. Um, I'm sure they were not very authentic. You know, they were very kind of like glossy. And I'm thinking, what are those books? The uh, they're like they have the white covers. They just have a lot of pictures. Anyway, books like that. Um, and you think like. A lot of pictures. You know what I'm talking about? The um the white ones that are like uh like just the hardcover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Call them yeah. Books. yeah. Anyway. Um, Dor- Dorsey, Keith <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but similarly to like reading this book, you would read that and be like, Oh man, like I could live that way. I could like pound acorns or like ride horses or hunt buffalo or whatever, <laughs> you know. Like you would fantasize yeah. this different life with you know, as a child, certainly, like, no understanding of the actual history yeah. of, like, Native Americans in this country, so, uh. so... So, okay, so, like, a child growing up in that era that Sam is growing up, like, yeah, if yeah. he had watched Westerns, right, mm-hmm. that's... Those take place generally post-Civil War, like, it's like a 30-year span, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, like, 1860s to, like, 1890s kind of a thing, it's such a short period in our history, and it's very specific, sort of like the West, right? So right. even if you're thinking about Indians or Native Americans, right? Right. It's not the Native Americans that would have lived in his area. That's true. That's like, true. Sign of the Beaver, which is the book that written by a previous author um, mm-hmm. that we just did for the um, Witch Blackbird Pond, Sign of the Beaver, her book, those Native Americans live more where Sam is. Right. Right. Because those were um, like eastern states, like northeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if he's thinking like teepees and buffalo, like that. Right. Well, like, which is clearly <laughs> not. That, that kind of stuff doesn't come up. But I mean, that would have been the imagery he would have. Probably. probably. 
the other vague thought that kind of connects to this is that he um, is kind of purposely going back to his great grandfather's land, his, mm-hmm. you know, which is a farm, but yeah. um, he doesn't try to do any farming, you know, like no, that's not no part of his conception at all. Like he wants to live with really like a hunter gatherer lifestyle, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like he doesn't think, Oh, I have some seeds. Let me clear off some area and right. throw seeds for the next summer, spring, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And he certainly doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't even have a shovel. Like he doesn't have any tools that you would probably need to actually do art. Uh, uh, like, actual planting or whatever find one i think he finds like a board that he like makes into a crude shuffle something like that yeah something really sketch right yeah it does not sound like a good good tool (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm i'm curious again like how sustainable his lifestyle would have been and i i i would have to go back and and kind of skim the other books and see yeah yeah but certainly like the other books um i remember the second book like the tone is quite different it's not mm. as much of a um i'm gonna tell you what i did and it's gonna be fun right uh, eat some acorns <laughs> mm-hmm. so would you recommend this book um i feel like i would i feel like i enjoyed reading it quite a bit and i feel like especially the thought of um you know, the vicarious think of like, oh, maybe I could live in the wilderness. And, you know, you look at all the the nice little illustrations of how to make uh, all these various things. And it's just super enjoyable to read. I feel like kids today would still relate to it in pretty much the same way that we did. Right. It's like it, it still has maybe because of the technology that we were talking about earlier, it still has that kind of timeless feeling quality. I'm not, I would still recommend it, but I don't know if kids would enjoy it in the same way. I don't know if they know how to unplug. Mm. So I was reading some stories to some of my, you know, first, second, third graders. Mm-hmm. And it was about like enjoying the nature and getting out and, yeah. you know, taking a walk and, you know, looking at a tree. And I was trying to tell the kids this, you know, because I was always trying to get Wesley to do is like look at something other than your iPad, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, put down your technology and go and enjoy it outside. And they're like, no, video games. <laughs> and they're so like vehemently against like leaving their house. Really? Right. And I'm like, okay, so I'm also like kind of a hermit, and I kind of hate bugs and like sweat. Yeah. Yeah. But, like. <laughs> appreciate nature mm-hmm. but I don't even know if they could contemplate nature the thing that I've read is that kids today just have like virtually no unstructured time like they're yeah. always doing something or at least, I mean when you're playing a video game you're very like engaged even if you're like playing for an unbounded amount of time but a lot of what like Sam does in this book is like he just like wanders around and looks at stuff you know like and no one's telling him like where he has to be or you know, he has no notion of time, really. What what yeah. is it? The clock or what? Like, he has no idea. Things on sticks or whatever. Yeah, I think, like, very lackadaisical about his calendar. Like, I'm very surprised that he actually, like, gets the date of Christmas right. Because he's always just like, oh, I just, I made a notch on the thing. But I, yeah, I didn't really count him. I don't know. Maybe it's April. Like, <laughs> I would have no idea. Oh, yeah. I would, like, immediately lose count. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep track of rice when I'm scooping it. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is actually like it feels very like a field guide. Yeah, it's a kind of good, um, like kind of hybrid uh, between fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting, but I don't think like there's a huge like it's hugely popular. Like there's you know other popular series, and I don't think it's necessarily one of them. But I do think it's I feel it's probably aged better than some of the other uh, Newberry honors. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed about Sam is that um, it's a little bit difficult to nail down his age. It might partially be because, um, like, I think 14-year-olds now are sort of more, like, I don't know what to say more mature, but they're, like, maybe a little less childish. So even though he's he's 14, but he, he kind of seems younger. Yeah, he's more innocent. <laughs> Which is interesting. He also just doesn't have a lot of human relationships that he misses. Like he, ne- you know, what really struck me actually, he never thinks about his mom. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like, you know, like fourteen, you are kind of like distancing yourself from the parents, your parents a little bit. But I think, you know, if you were living alone, you're cold, you're hungry, like you think about your mom. <laughs> like. <laughs> well, like especially that first night, like he doesn't say like I missed my mom. I think he does say that he cries, but he he actually it's striking that he talks about his dad a little bit and he talks about yeah. his mom almost not at all. Yeah. Not to mention yeah. his like eight siblings, which presumably he's like interacting with and playing with all the time. <laughs> like Yeah. I mean, it's possible that she just was pregnant so much that she really didn't have a lot of time there. Okay, so she was like a Victorian, just like confined to her bed, just constantly yes. I don't know. <laughs> I know that's too many kids, guys. Nine is too many. What are a we lot doing? Of children. A lot of, yeah. You know, and so yeah, he's probably like child rearing. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so psyched to like not have to deal with a million children. Yeah. Right. And um, probably so. Flavors and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this uh, just seems weird because again, like he doesn't seem to have the normal emotions that a fourteen-year-old would have. Um, I think our 14-year-olds do tend to be a bit more cynical as well. Mm. Yeah, more cynical. Um, he has no, like, interest in girls, um, which I think we actually, like, um, I think we expect, like, a 14-year-old boy to be, like, interested in girls, but um, that might be, you know, more of an expectation of our age than now. Like, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't come up. Like, there's not a lot of, like, women in the book in general no girls his age in this book yeah that's true there's no um there's like two like adult women and that's pretty much it maybe three three strawberries yeah or some kind of berry yes it's strawberry strawberries that's a great scene actually (laughs) there's the teen reporter 
Yeah. Was there any other teen boys? Um, there's a boy that he runs into in town, and they like become friends. Oh yeah, that boy randomly. Yeah. But there's really, yeah, there's really not any other girls his age. Right. Or I guess I should say, like, just any notion of like sexuality is just completely absent. Um, oh. Which I, again, I think is um, probably more normal than we tend to think about it now. Like. Uh, I think you don't really like cross that line. I don't know. It happens for different at different ages. So I, I mean, I feel like it's actually plausible that a fourteen year old like just didn't have any romantic interest yet. Well, even in the next book, he is eighteen. Like I was just talking about. Oh, he's like fully eighteen in the next book. I think so. I think he's an yeah. sister younger, and she's like fifteen or something. Okay. She's not, like, he's not a little girl. Okay. She's like at least the age he was in this book. She's grown. Not yeah. Older. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I wonder, like, if, okay, I'm gonna like throw a wild idea. Do you think, like, do you think he's neurodivergent? Oh, <laughs> you know what? Actually, like, I think he reads that way now. But my question is, would he read that way then? Because I feel like he's just kind of like a weird kid. But sometimes weird kids realize later that they they're like, oh, that's why I'm weird. Right. Like, I guess I don't think that was a concept they had in like 1959. Um, no, he's weird. Yeah, you're just a weird kid, but um, a kid who liked animals and didn't like right, people. right, 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 right. But I, yeah, um, and especially like his dialogue seems a little bit strange, but it's not clear to me that it's like if it would be considered weird at the time. Yeah, I don't know. Like he almost has better relationships with people who are older mm-hmm. than his own age. Right, right, right. Like when he's talking to the um the boy reporter. Like, he doesn't talk to him like a friend. He's like, I'm showing off to you. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, right. Like, he doesn't but, necessarily know how to have a normal conversation. Well, it's also very cute because he's um he's trying to, like, mislead him and say, like, oh, I know about the kid that lives in the woods. And he's yeah. like, details. And, like, the reporter's like, oh, it's totally you. Like, <laughs> it's, like, not fooled at all. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's very cute. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Definitely, like as you say, relating better to adults than you do to your peers and like getting al- along with animals better than you do with humans. Like, yeah. Is, consider that like, you know, kind of on the spectrum now. Um, Maybe. Like know. uncommon though. Like, I guess it just doesn't really matter what, how you want to label it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of interesting. interesting. It's definitely like, he's not interested in like city things. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, because you would think in this era, like especially if it's like the fifties or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. car culture. You know, that's true. Would yeah, come in, like even if you didn't have a car, like you might be like, oh, that car's cool. Like right, especially yeah. in, in LA, right? Like the whole greasers thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's not into cars. He's not like uh, um, airplanes airplanes what else could you be into theater i don't know like <laughs> he's like yeah lurking around uh beatnik bars and uh you know i don't know what, i don't know what people did in new york in the 50s i barely know what they do now <laughs> bunch of pretentious weirdos um, all right enough enough yeah, i don't know that's just like my my wild didn't even take a note <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I feel like uh, our conception of like what a teenager is like is very different now than it was in the 50s. 
Well, we weren't even normal teenagers when we were teenagers, so oh, like true. We super also, weren't. We super weren't. Yeah. Like yeah. What did people do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we read books and watched anime. That's <laughs> what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like uh, like stared at each other's bookshelves and like identified what what had changed. <laughs> like spot the difference. Yeah. So I was trying to tell Wesley about the stupidest game in the world, and he's like, like "What is that very fun?" I'm like, "It's the funnest game. Like, shut up. It's so fun." Oh my God. <laughs> uh, the well-named stupidest game in the world. Can <laughs> we explain what the stupidest game in the world is? Explain this for posterity. Do you want to do the honors? Okay. Yeah. So my old house used to have like, you know, the stuff leading up to it. It's basically like just like it almost looks like a two-square area right there's like bricks and then there's like a slab of concrete and it's like slabs of concrete separated by bricks right so it just looks like you have like these delineated areas and mm. then you have to stand you, you'd each stand in one square and then you'd hop on one foot and you can't use your arms like you put it behind your back and you just bounce towards each other you kind of <laughs> shove each other over with like your body <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. So it's like you lose when you put your other foot down um. yeah yeah it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, there are multiple games like this. Like, I think there's a version like of chicken or something you play like that or whatever. But, sure. but we this is, know those things. This is the version that we made. And we should also, when you talk about like, uh, um, you know, what teenagers are like and how childish they are, we played this game like fully through high school. <laughs> like, yeah, we could play this next time you're over. Like, <laughs> oh, God, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel I feel, I feel like I'm not articulating this very well now, but I think after watching a lot of um, television where like teenagers are played by 30 year olds, like we now think that teenagers are basically like grown adults that are like having affairs and like you know, but like no. teenagers Riverdale, are, Riverdale, yeah, oh my god, that show is wild. Um, but uh, yeah. like teenagers are you know they're, they're kids and they actually are pretty childish. Uh, you know they're still pretty innocent in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've worked with a lot of teens, and it's, it's again, like, kids, they, they really are in sort of a middle stage of life, where, yeah. you know, there are times where they just want to be super independent, and they can say these really insightful, mature things, and then the next minute, they're literally crying on the couch because they didn't have ramen, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and these things are real, like, and where they yeah. still really need their parents to kind of help them out and help them navigate through life. It's a really interesting age. I mean, again, yeah, uh, movie teens are super fake. Again, they're literally played by like 30 year olds, uh, which we kind of forget. That's true. If I could act, I could have been one of them. I looked like a teen forever. That's true. That's true. Although now I don't look like 20. <laughs> now you look like you're in your 20s. I have now reached my 20s. Okay. You don't get carded at like R rated movies anymore. No, I did. How recently? Uh, two years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Hilarious. Yeah, I think I bought a um, I bought a beer. I got carded. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All right, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like double, almost double the legal drinking age now. <laughs> I'm still getting carded. I'm like, well, nice. It's fine. Nice. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. No, it's good. That's good. Um. Yeah. So, are we all all set here? Should we uh, talk about our next episode? Let me see. Do you have any closing thoughts? I think I had my thoughts. I think uh, just in summary, um, it's a super enjoyable book. I feel like 
we started trying to like tear it to shreds in the middle, but like it's it's super engaging. Um, I don't I don't think it feels the same at all, so I would definitely recommend it. I mean, we're not. I don't think we're tearing it to shreds. I mean, I we think also don't really know anything, so we're just like we're, just, we're just literally making up stuff about the East Coast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can you can like have your doubts about the authenticity of the facts mm-hmm. in a book. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. Enjoy it, right? It's super. It's a super compelling book, and I think the um sort of the key fantasy that it's that it's embodying is definitely one that um. I, I still see the appeal, even though, like, as as an adult, I can, like, you know, fully acknowledge that I don't want to live in the woods alone. I don't want to live in the woods either. Because <laughs> there are ticks. There's ticks. Okay. <laughs> ticks are real. Lyme disease is real. <laughs> real. I mean, there's deer. Uh, yeah. Oh, I also want to mention, like, as a, uh, you know, extremely white person, um, that kid must be so sunburned. <laughs> I also thought about that. I'm like... I always worry about, you know, yeah, you don't even have a hat, like a proper hat, uh, let alone sunscreen. Yeah, you have a hat for like staying warm in winter, but um, yeah, I would be so sunburned and miserable. Uh, Maybe, I, yeah, I honestly have that question. Did they just get like super baked in tan or? uh, Okay, so my question is, is, since you spent time in Ireland, right? Were you there during the summer? I was there during the summer. Did you wear a hat? I did not wear a hat. Did you wear uh, sunscreen? I definitely wore sunscreen. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, <laughs> I'm like, did you get sunburns? Like, <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. I, I, what were you trying to lead up to? Well, no, because like, I mean, I generally don't wear sunscreen. Uh huh. Which is not great. Like, it's you not should wear sunscreen. You do have but more I, melanin than I do, yeah. I do, but also I got skin cancer, right? So. True. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't sunburn like a ton unless I'm out for like 12 hours in direct sunlight, like in a bathing right. suit. So right, right. Um, I, I sunburn in like 30 minutes. Like that's really? not that's not an exaggeration. Like I sunburn really easily. Wow, white people. I know. How did we survive? I you live in England. Like that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you don't get a lot of direct light. Yeah. Or wear a big hat. It's true. It's true. Wow. Yeah, we were optimized for like vitamin D production and not uh, sunburn production. <laughs> True. It's like how I feel every time I go to Ren Fair and I see the ladies with their cleavage and it's just oh sunburn. God. Yeah, ouch. Ouch. That hurts. Sounds great. So, okay. Oh, oh uh, the, the next book. What is our next book? Because I forgot. Our next. <laughs> you always forget. Our next, book, forget. our next book is Moss Flower by uh, Brian Jacques. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because I think we kind of come up with plans and then we get excited about another book and then we change our plans. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you are you are we actually doing Moss Flower? Like we don't have to. No, no, no. I think it's good. I think we were planning okay. on a different book, but then that was like planned three months ago to do a different book, and then I think we yeah uh, revised our yeah because <laughs> you know it's our plan. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah so Moss Flower, Brian Jakes. Is it actually pronounced Jakes? It is. Uh, okay. <laughs> because they're they're British. He's not French. Like okay. it's like a French spelled name. But yeah, it's he, not, but it's, so it's pronounced Jake. I know. Is that crazy? Okay, I don't know why. Like British people make fun of Americans for not understanding their like crazy ass culture, but like they're just cuckoo banana pants over there. They don't know how to pronounce anything, so it's not our fault. <laughs> Anyways, we got way off topic. Like. <laughs> 
to the last. Um, yeah. Uh, next time, uh, Brian Jakes, uh, Moss Flower. I think it's the second book in the Redwall series. Um, uh, written second um, comes before Redwall. Yes, it's it's a prequel. Yeah, anthropomorphic mice. Um, lots of like well-described food. It's gonna be a good time. I was trying to describe it to my my students as like a younger version of Game of Thrones. It is actually mice. if everyone in Game of Thrones was a, a relatively small mammal and yeah. Uh, yeah. there was like a thousand percent less sexual violence than like, <laughs> <laughs> that's Redwall. <laughs> between our books like we should encourage our readers to also try to reread the books so yeah. they can kind of live it with us like we were discussing so yeah well, exploit hey. our uh, um totally uh irregular release schedule and <laughs> yeah. you probably have a good month or two <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah listen this podcast is free this <laughs> is <laughs> It's our hobby. We it's are busy. my fourth hobby. I like, know. I'm, I'm TAing this quarter and it takes so much time. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways. Later. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Read, Listener, read, read Mossflower. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Bye.